Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Every other Thursday, tune in to hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. Megan McCollum is an artist, leader, and change maker in the greater Birmingham area. She is passionate about reclaiming public space, strengthening communities, fostering creativity, and advocating for the redevelopment of inclusive urban environments through the transformative power of public art. She is creating space for storytelling and women to design one mural at a time. I'm so excited to have Megan here on the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Megan. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So every episode, we begin with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And so while you're thinking through um, your answer, I'll I'll kick us off. And so how am I surviving this week? Hmm. Well, I'm getting over some sickness, as you can probably tell. So I'm trying to move past that. And I would say that I'm sort of, I'm thriving in the season of um, where my husband and I are really being intentional and trying to set up dates each weekend um, or throughout the week to spend quality time together. I think it's a very important piece to setting healthy boundaries and making sure that you're prioritizing relationships. And so we've got a really fun like group date plan to go see like the Van Gogh um, exhibit that's here in Birmingham. So I'm really excited about that. I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've actually just heard, um, I heard about it. I've seen it in other cities and just heard that it was coming to Birmingham and we're talking about kind of doing a team outing uh, at work for it actually. Nice. Awesome. (laughs) How are you surviving and thriving, Megan? Uh, So this week uh, surviving has been... uh, it has been a, an effort. (laughs) It's one of those things it's getting towards, um, you know, the end of the year, everyone's super busy and how I'm wrapping up projects and planning for the next year. And I, you know, kind of coming off a very busy summer for murals, mural work and general. So I've been just, uh, finding opportunities to set boundaries, kind of like what you were talking about. I really liked that in the sense of thriving and and your relationships. I think this week I've been practicing some healthy boundary setting of setting aside time to rest and to be intentional in how I'm communicating with people. So um, that's just how I've been making space to survive is just giving myself permission to breathe and catch up. Um, And then thriving has really just been some really cool opportunities to talk with some potential partners for the next year very excited about some things that are lining up and I officially wrapped my mural for the world games 2022 Birmingham and Hibbit city gear has sponsored that project. So one of my bigger projects that I've ever done, I just wrapped that. So thriving, really excited about that. Ooh, nice. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. That's huge. 
Yeah, I, it was one of those things that as a as an artist, you you have those kind of dream clients and you've got a list and I'm big about setting goals for myself. And I, I always, <laughs> when I first started my company, had this idea of who would be my like big people to work with. Uh, and at the time knew that the games had been coming or planned to be coming to Birmingham. And I just kind of had it on this wish list and I uh, looked at it every day and a year and a half ago was contacted and, and just really uh, <laughs> lost my mind and excitement and pursuing that. And, um, you know, just the realization that my business had gotten to a point where the world games would recognize me as someone that they wanted to participate in this campaign to tell the city and the world that Birmingham is hosting this event. That's very exciting. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So let's, um, let's rewind a little bit and okay. go back to the beginning of, of life and, and you and all the details in between of what really makes you, you Megan, like, tell us your story. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that could, you know, I'm, I'm not one to really speak succinctly. So I'll save everyone this, the ups and downs of all the story of my life, but I think it would be a nice way to wrap it up in a bow of, um, I am a person that is passionate about um, relationship that is passionate about creating opportunities for people to feel valued and empowered. And that is from a long history of having women pour into my life and affirm my dreams, the things that I reach for and, and set out for myself. And from the time that I was little, I have three sisters, one of them, which being a twin, I'm so constantly surrounded by, by these strong, ambitious courageous women uh, and my mother and my grandmother being, you know, just the picture of matriarchs in a family have always had this strong idea of what it looks like to lead as a woman. And so I've been really fortunate since the time that I was little to not have um, any boundaries on the dreams that I was dreaming. And um, kind of like a background for me and the sense of that is I was growing up and I had um, learning disabilities and things that I would struggle with in school and, and barriers that I was putting really around myself because of the world's expectations of what it looks like to have like certain learning disabilities. And so I had ADD and I had dyscalculia and all these things that made school difficult for me. Uh, and I just kind of had this glass ceiling because of that so much so um, that I really didn't, didn't push myself to start really achieving things for myself um, until I got to about high school, really, where I was thinking, oh, you know, with help and with the uh, proper channels in place, I can really have avenues to achieve something more than my learning disabilities. And so what was really exciting about um, graduating from high school and going to college was this chance to have someone outside of my family tell me that I had potential, you know, because it's like one thing when you hear your your mom or your grandparents or your sisters tell you that you can do amazing things. But I remember the first time that I uh, met my, at the time, college advisor uh, and 
just had my world opened to this possibility of geography. So my background academically is in geography and urban studies. And I did my master's in cities and cultures. And I really kind of, for the first time when I got to school, I went to Sanford University for my undergrad. I met someone and I found a, a, like a, a path that I was passionate about, that I was very excited to get plugged into. And I had this advisor that was showing me how to um, really harness the things that I was good at and to uh, think creatively and to think dynamically. And so I really kind of blossomed and found my footing and excelled and found opportunities to lead and to start dreaming bigger. And so by the end of my time in my um, undergraduate studies, I got a uh, Rotary Global Scholarship to, or grant rather, to study my master's in London. Um, so I moved to the UK, did my master's in cities and cultures there, and really started seeing these opportunities for how um, people were reclaiming space. And so from that kind of perspective of a geographer, of really being fascinated by how people interact with their environment, how we shape it and how it in turn shapes us, but more specifically from the idea of a built landscape, from built environments. And so I, my, I always kind of felt my heart tugged and pulled towards urban environments specifically. And during my undergraduate years, had this just incredible opportunity to study in London through my university's student center. And then uh, that's you know how I first got excited and interested in thinking about the possibility of going to graduate school abroad. And so really when I was there for the first time and living in this environment that was surrounded by creative uh, people. I lived in uh, the West End of London, but I then worked in the East End of London in a uh, community center that served a Bengali community and incredibly vibrant, diverse uh, neighborhood that was filled with beautiful art, a lot of street art, a lot of just public art in general. And then when I went back for grad school, deep diving into that and finding opportunities and seeing how people were marrying um, grassroots organizations and community organizing with art and how that was used as a catalyst to build community and to reclaim narratives, to amplify the voices of women, to advocate for certain rights and things that were happening in that specific borough in which I was living at that time. And so really just became inspired by the power that art has to be used as a medium to build community. And all of that kind of wrapped up into that experience of being this wide-eyed student, uh, finished grad school, came back to the US and saw this opportunity to use that same momentum and to capitalize on how art is used to tell those stories back here in Birmingham. So yeah, just kind of came together and moved back to Birmingham and started seeking opportunities because I really just felt like this city is in a time of, of becoming, of this regeneration of people just being really excited to be in Birmingham again. And I wanted to be a part of it. Wow. Like that is the most powerful storytelling I've ever heard, Megan. Like oh. <laughs> you just like brought me into your world and I'm here for it. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. No, I'm a big believer. So I love the arts. Also, side note, obsessed with London. My dog's name is Mayfair. Oh my so, God. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so we're instant best friends because of that. I love that. Know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like such a powerful story because, mm. you know, I do think that in a lot of ways we are a product of our environment. And to be able to set the tone for people in different environments to like think critically and to think differently and to have representation and opinions and diversity, I think it's so important. And I think storytelling comes in all shapes and sizes, um, whether that be through dance or art or um, theater or really it can be any form of storytelling. It's just really awesome that you found kind of your, your niche um, with doing murals. And that's just so incredibly powerful. So good for you. Thank you. And you know, it's, it's interesting as you're talking about that, of like this idea of theater and dance. And I, you know, I found it, like you said, through murals, but something (laughs) kind of ticked in my mind from my time, just in urban studies as thinking of, uh, Lewis Mumford, he describes the, the city and he describes, sidewalks is like these sidewalk ballets where people have these roles and the city is theater and these are the set like you know life has these set pieces and I guess much like the is it Shakespeare the world's a stage so you know there are always those strong artistic elements of those parallels that you can draw that you know we're all players in this this giant um this giant play and uh, I think whether people want to pay attention to it or not. I think everyone is just inherently creative. I think we were made to create. I think we were made to reflect beauty. Um, so it just gets really exciting to be able to, <laughs> to spend time in that world, acknowledging that kind of creative spirit and energy and um, to be compensated for it <laughs> is just really lucky. Yeah. No, that's the icing on top, right? Yeah. <laughs> So explain to our listeners, you kind of went into it a little bit, but what is blank space Beham, you know, and really how how did you get started here in Birmingham doing murals? Sure. Yeah. So blank space is my, um, is my company. I like to refer to myself oftentimes as a social entrepreneur before I would say that I'm a muralist or an artist because my introduction into this muralist um, art world was really through using it as a medium to kind of spark civic engagement. And so I was using it as a tool and as time went on, found that like it was a really great opportunity for me to release my own uh, artistic vision and what I felt drawn to and really being able to connect and help people tell their stories through, you know, a visual medium. But Blank Space started, um, gosh, six years ago now, as first this kind of idea between a couple of friends. (laughs) My friends, uh, Stephanie and Kyle Cruz owned a building downtown and they had previously painted a smaller mural on that building and then had this vision to want to do something larger. And as uh, they were talking about that project, they knew that I had an interest and a background in that through my time studying in London and just, you know, asked for some help and brainstorming of how this could become a reality. And 
I raised money for it and just very quickly found that it was easier to, to raise money as a something instead of three random someones. So just kind of brainstormed and was driving through our city and thinking of all these blank spaces and it's very just on the nose, but you know, how can we reclaim those blank spaces and, and really, uh, yeah, blank space mural project is what we called it first, because at that time we had no idea just the power that um, this one project could have in starting something that would trickle down, you know, for years to come. So we started that project. Uh, they had already identified a local artist, his name's Andy Jordan, and come up with this beautiful idea that has, um, you know, this kind of sense of honoring the past. And the mural is located in the theater district in downtown Birmingham, where, um, he was really in his piece trying to capture like the history of what was happening here while kind of honoring like what this space is used for. And all of that kind of wraps up into being um, a journey of saying, wow, this has been received really well. I think we're onto something. I'm so quickly kind of started to see a vision and a future for what blank space could be. And then over the next few years, was introduced to a few people throughout the community that had similar interest and vision, um, but had different formation backgrounds in terms of a nonprofit. Since I was so community oriented, we kind of went that route for a little while. We tried that, but very quickly also found <laughs> that that can be messy and difficult. And when you are not in alignment in your vision with everyone that's on board, um, and there's not always that like mutual sense of respect through hard times that carrying that vision forward in its purest form gets really difficult. So um, <laughs> that's a very nice way of saying it got messy and it dissolved as a nonprofit, um, you know, because I think the vision of it was so strong and the city still was so hungry to see art used with this community first mindset then reformed as a business so that's why I, I kind of wear that hat and operate under that idea of being a social entrepreneur because my business for me um, both luckily and maybe one day full-time but is my passion project so I have a full-time career outside of blank space but Blank space is something that brings me endless amounts of joy and is in complete alignment with my uh, academic background and research and everything like that. So yeah, just over the past, I gosh, maybe three years since, two years since actually now, yeah, as a business, I have been running that kind of wearing then all the hats of a single member LLC. So the marketing and the, <laughs> the consulting and the, you know, recruiting artists and building networks and things like that. And it's just been an absolute adventure. So Blank Space in its iteration today is a consulting project management design company where I can walk people through the creation um, dreaming of what it looks like to have a mural in their community and whether that be, you know, something small that's done really quickly just by like one or two artists, or if that's helping someone 
realize this massive project that utilizes, you know, 50 volunteers. Um, my kind of specialty is building those bridges and finding out what a client needs and then helping them kind of bring it to fruition. Wow. That is so cool. Thanks. It's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. So kind of explain to us your process. So when you, when you get a job or how, like explain, like, do you go after like the opportunities or have they mainly presented themselves and through that, like, what is kind of like the couple of steps that you have to take to kind of get things rolling? Sure. Yeah. So I I've been really fortunate to have, um, a lot of incredible opportunities present themselves in most recently in the past two or three years that have been built off of the incredible hard work of some of my earlier clients. And I would say that like the legwork of doing work um, just to the highest tier that I could has afforded me opportunities where my business is strictly referral based now. Um, So I'm really, really just fortunate to be able to have people seek out opportunities and say, I've got this business or my nonprofit would like to discuss this project. And really because I am uh, a single member LLC, I don't have to run that through the same processes of bringing it before my board and trying to, you know, get permission and figure out because at the end of the day, also, I believe that mural art should be accessible. And so I have a sliding scale of how I charge and how I um, set up what a budget looks like for a project. So I do have a project minimum, but then when I look at an organization, I never want money to be the thing that prevents someone from bringing art to their community. So whether that's a larger private client that can afford to pay full price um, and really walking that person through and saying, it's not that I'm overcharging you. It's that this is what this is worth. And you're helping me then underwrite these projects for other people. So by allowing um, this kind of sliding scale, if you will, I'm able to then offer micro grants to organizations that wouldn't be able to pay for their projects on their own. And really that's kind of been this awesome opportunity that allows me to have a huge diversity of clients from people like um, the Civil Rights Institute or the um, Birmingham Museum of Art, uh, UAB, and then to tinier organizations like Oak Tree Ministries, which is a a local nonprofit based in Mark's Village and smaller like mom and pop shops. I did a window painting for a a local uh, entrepreneur couple that have a flower truck and a a wonderful flower store. And so it's just like, you know, being able to have that freedom to make those decisions um, has kind of been like the greatest success I think of, of my, (laughs) of my growth is, is that freedom to just be like, if you do a good job and if you do it with intention and with purity, like people will see your heart in that and refer your business. Like if you're doing something to the best of your ability and you're delivering, um, I've been just really, really grateful to have awesome clients that pass along my info. (laughs) And and still to this day, like, I guess I, I shouldn't over glamorize the fact that like, oh, people are knocking down my door. Like they knock on my door, but then I still 
like a lot of the projects that I do can take me a year and a half, two years to develop. So I'm painting them now, but I've been working with them or I've been meeting with them or doing things with them for years. Um, And so a lot of that has been about being willing to put in the work. Um, A lot of times, especially as a female, um, as a, as a female business owner, but especially in this, this public art space and this street art space, women, particularly in the South, uh, where public art is already not as visible as maybe in other parts of the country or even the world, but especially women in these spaces so often are not given that same opportunity for visibility or inclusion in those conversations. And yet when we're marrying that idea of women in public space and women um, reflecting the narratives of their community, you look at so many communities and see the heart of them being the strength of women and what women are doing to to pull their communities together and to really be the glue in a lot of places. And so um, it's been, a quite frankly a battle um yeah to to be honest a lot of times to be taken seriously um in a meeting or uh, there was a time when I was working with more men and I would be on a site and you know the the obvious like kind of trope would be that they all just defer to the man that's there and you're the site leader, you know, and no one's expecting that. So there's definitely that. And even to this day, regardless of the opportunities that I've had with those incredible partners, um, still will find myself on a job site, you know, operating heavy machinery or putting together scaffolding and still some man that doesn't know who I am or who my company is will kind of stroll up with their hands in their pockets and ask what, you know, what are you little ladies up to sort of deal? And it's just, you know, that constant battle of, I just want to exist in this space, doing what I can, like with the gifts and the talents that I've been given and with these people and these artists that I'm working with, uh, which oftentimes is a group of women that are helping paint. I, it's, it is a battle. And to even see that on the, the city's end of less so about finding respect as a woman, but just really having art be taken seriously has been, um, has been interesting. <laughs> we'll say the city of Birmingham doesn't necessarily at this moment have a, um, a policy around public art. So when we pursue projects from conception that exist within the city limits, I always do my best to follow up with the, the, the powers that be to make sure that everything's good, that we've got the permissions that we need, that we have the permits that we need, that we've gone through design review um, to make sure that things are fine. And if they're outside of downtown, I like to go in front of the neighborhood committee, uh, the neighborhood association rather, and talk to local stakeholders and make sure that, you know, there's that buy-in. Um, but because our city is not set up for public art, it very quickly becomes a very messy, oh, well, you're, 
we don't have a mural permit, so we're going to charge you as a sign and sign permits have this, this, and this qualification. And so, yeah, a lot of times there is red tape um, when you do things officially and intentionally and follow rules. Um, you'll have some people with a lot of opinions as well, you know, and I think that's always interesting is art can be very like subjective and then you're trying to hold it under this lens of government and um and opinions and it, it's been a struggle at times to have uh people tell you what you can be doing and what you should be doing when there's no official policy for what we can be doing or what we should be doing and i've been reassured by the city of birmingham i've worked with some of their um urban planners and past that have said, you know, they're working on developing a plan and a policy to help build um, really a sustainable future for public art. Because that's the thing is uh, the difference between public art and just street art, right, is public art is something that is kind of more often than not sanctioned. <laughs> it has the approval, it's been invested in, it's been planned, it's done very intentionally. And then you kind of have this counter street art is more of this gritty grassroots nature, um, throw it up where you can, um, you know, ask forgiveness rather than permission sort of deal. And those aren't, you know, hard and fast definitions, but really the thing that kind of helps separate them in my mind. And so I think Birmingham is trying to find that marriage of um, how do we plan for a future intentionally with art? How can we use it in a way that honors the story of Birmingham while also allowing the autonomy and freedom of people to be creative? So I'd love to see like the city grow in that, um, that future of space for artists to grow with confidence and not worry about their stuff being buffed over or uh, being charged fines for, uh, you know, not getting a permit. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm glad that you made the distinction between street art versus people who are getting all the permissions and doing murals that is a community-based event or project. So I appreciate you kind of making the distinction between the two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you, there's so many more like clear definitions around that, but I think a very kind of like like street level, if you will, entry definition would be kind of like, you know, public art is more formalized where I would view street art as being more organic. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So tell us about um, your favorite project that you've gotten to work on so far and, you know, why was it your favorite? Oh my goodness. It's, <laughs> you say that and I, I get like a flood of every project I've ever worked on. I have just been really grateful for every chance I've had to create something in partnership with people or, you know, just to be trusted to leave something that is pretty permanent on the, the face of their building or, or on the asphalt of their, you know, their business or their establishment. Um, but I think really for me in the past few years, just for so many different reasons, um, it's difficult, but I think the the one that's really taken the cake has been my most recent project with the Woodlawn community. Um, we did something called the Magic City Mural Festival. And it's something that as a business that I plan on growing and moving forward and um, 
carrying forth into different parts of the city in the future, but really had the opportunity to um, make a statement and come out kicking with, with the Woodlawn community for, for this first inaugural festival. Um, so for the past two years, I have been working with um, an incredible community partner. His name's Jason Avery. Um, he's a Woodlawn resident. Woodlawn is a neighborhood in um, East Birmingham that is historic and beautiful and vibrant and full of this creative energy. And then um, really just hungry for opportunities to tell their stories and to reclaim their narrative. I think lots of times people, um, are quick to make judgments about, you know, any neighborhood in, in Birmingham, if, if you're not familiar with it, but really through these past few years, having the opportunity to get to know Jason and the community um, and partner with him and helping them reclaim that narrative of what Woodlawn is and putting that foot forward instead of maybe what other people think of Woodlawn has been just such an honor. And so that project really started from um, about two and a half years ago. He was working with a organization called Urban Main Street, and he is the representative for the community for Urban Main, um, where they work on revitalizing, kind of breathing life into the main streets of these smaller parts of American towns, cities, things like that. Um, so he was doing facade uh, projects where he was making buildings look better and things like that. And he had done a mural on the side of a local business and had reached out to me. I'm through a connection that we have through a different organization and just said, you know, I heard that you're the person to talk to about murals and kind of pointing him to some tips and tricks of the trade. Uh, he already had a really awesome idea. And, and so kind of really just offered my, um, consulting through there. And when it got to the process of asking how he could pay me, I said, well, you know, instead of money, I'd love a favor. Cause at the time I'd been working with a high school student that was looking to do a mural somewhere in the city. And we were trying to scout a location. Um, and so from there, this kind of friendship bloomed between us. And as we were working to kind of think through where we could put this mural for this high school student started just kind of letting our dreams <laughs> kind of take control and thought of this idea of a mural festival. And one day we were uh, walking down the middle of Woodlawn's kind of historic center and we were cutting through an alleyway to get to another space that had been on our list to check out for locations. And we just kind of looked at each other and thought, oh my gosh, we should just paint this whole alley. And so we both um, are coming at it from a placemaking perspective, him with his urban main experience and myself really through utilizing this community building aspect of what Blank Space does through murals. I um, saw this opportunity to take this neglected passageway that really had no intent of, of being used other than just a throughway. It's an alley, right? Like you're not going to spend any time there, but how can that be reclaimed in a creative way where we can invite people to dwell and to spend time? Um, so it's bigger than a traditional alley in the sense that it also backs up onto these businesses that kind of have um, like these back patio areas where they're not patios, but they are now, which is really exciting. Um, but 
a, just a really large space. And so through his project and his, through his background is going to be adding uh, gravel and lighting and benches and landscaping and all these things. And really the arm that blank space could offer was helping organize this artistic intervention. So planned um, to have this festival and kind of put out a call for artists and was just expecting people from uh, Birmingham to answer, you know, not really thinking it was gonna get any sort of really big attention. Um, and next thing I knew we had over 50 applicants from across the country applying to come to Woodlawn <laughs> to be a part of this little festival that I had no idea what I was doing um, and really just kind of took off from there and, and identified um, six different walls that we could use, seven artists from across the country and also from some local artists here about who had that same vision for intention for community engagement, who had the same sort of agreement for what it looked like to do art in a socially responsible way. So I think that's something also that separates me from maybe some uh, some other muralist in other cities. I, I do believe that things can be beautiful and I, I love art just for the sake of art. But for myself, I tend to take um, projects in an approach of art situating it in a larger conversation. So um, all the artists that we worked with on this project are, are also kind of socially minded in the sense of where they put their work, what meaning is behind it. And so that really added a depth to this project um, that ultimately culminated in a week-long installation of women from across the country, as I said, putting together these beautiful murals in Woodlawn. Uh, and we kind of, well, we called it Women Painting Woodlawn. So just women from across, across America coming together to represent the voices of Woodlawn. And now we're just like left with these six stunning murals that are huge in this back alley that you would just never expect. Um, kind of like you just go into the space and it hits you in the face and uh, really about about that element of place building so long story short that has been my favorite project <laughs> yeah and how long did it take you from like even with the initial idea to actually executing this type of an event or festival like how long did it take you to really kind of get it going oh it took it took a full two years and that's something that like Jason and I, um, you know, very crazily, like just kind of took on together um, and something that I've been really just grateful for him um, is him letting me spearhead this in so many ways, but also knowing that I have his full support and everything that I did and that I could rely on him for anything. And, and when I'd say, you know, I couldn't do this without you and thank you so much for like supporting this vision and, and making me feel like I had the access to the resources that I needed in, in that community. Right. Cause I wanted to make sure that we were doing it intentionally in a way that honored the people of Woodlawn. And um, he just very graciously 
would say and still says and will say to this day is just like you know it's not about that self-recognition of what he was doing but it was just about sometimes letting women shine and you know being that that silent support um and i don't want it to be a silent support because i think he's just done so many great things for that community um so yeah for two years just he would set up meetings and i'd get to meet people in the community build those relationships um, I'm handling, you know, kind of the artist side of it, of making sure that we're finding the right people, that we are um, pulling together plans and, and what kind of that more project end looked like on that side. So we kind of just married our perfect skills of his presence in the community and what he brings as a, as an, as a leader in Woodlawn and what I could bring from my background in this project management and art and pulling those together. So we were really fortunate to partner with um, the Woodlawn Foundation was our presenting sponsor for the festival. And they just do incredible work to break this cycle of poverty in Woodlawn uh, and to have them as advocates and as sponsors for the work that we were doing there was um, unbelievable. Couldn't have done it without them. And um, yeah, just to, to have that really special connection of something that you've worked so hard and so long on and put a lot of investment into, you know, personal investment um, from my business end of, and just who I am as a person. But it was a big risk for me as a company to throw my eggs all into that basket. And um, it's paid off, I think, tenfold in terms of what it's um, meant to that community. And for me as, you know, as a creative, I'm just really grateful that they trusted me to come into that space and help make that a reality for them. Yes. That's incredible. How would you define success for yourself? Yeah, <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> like success to me, to me means like living your truth, what you feel called to, um, to be honest in, in the work that you do and the intention behind your work. And I think what is successful is if like you are living what you feel um, you were made to be doing. So yeah, I guess, yeah, success to me, whether it's your business is thriving, you have a happy, you know, full, joyful family, you're crushing it in your career. Like that success to me is all underlined by like, are you living a truthful, authentic life? Wise words. I love that. So switching gears a little bit. Now it's time for the leading ladies. We love rapid fire game. Get excited. So excited. <laughs> yeah, so basically I am going to um, share some adjectives and I would love for you to shout out women that come to mind, women that you know, women that you aspire to want to be one day and just share a little something about them. Just share the love. It's all about women empowering women here on the podcast. Are you ready for this? I think I am. All right, let's do it. The first okay. word is artistic. Ooh, okay. So her name is Jamie Beck. She is a photographer. I've never met her in my life, but she is um, this beautiful, just she herself is beautiful. The work she creates is beautiful. Uh, but my twin sister and I really bond over the beauty that this woman creates. Um, incredible photographer, lives in the south of France with her husband and adorable daughter. And 
the photos she paint, the photos she makes look like paintings. Um, and just I'm constantly inspired by the work she does. Nice. The next word is brave. Hmm. I would say Malala um, Yousafzai, uh, you know, the activist and Nobel Peace Prize winner. Uh, yeah, that's the epitome of brave to me. Next word is authentic. No doubt Lizzo. Like the first thing that pops into my brain is Lizzo is the most authentic woman I can think of right now. Next word is inspiring. I'd say inspiring would have to be uh, Mashonda Taylor. She is the executive director of the Wutham Foundation. She is a leader in her community, a leader in Birmingham, and she gets things done and she follows up on the things that she uh, promises the community that she's going to deliver on. And I think that is endlessly inspiring. Last word is creative. Uh, I'd have to say the first ever street artist that I really was familiar with. Her name is Caledonia Curry, but she goes by the name Swoon. Uh, one of the first kind of internationally recognized street artists that does this incredible marriage between printmaking and sometimes sculpture and animation. And she does um, a lot of large scale um, wheat pasting uh, and mural work. And I just think, you know, the first time I saw her work and recognizing that um, women could reclaim urban spaces and insert their vision into this field of vision um, was just transformative for me. Awesome. Well, that is the end of the Leading Ladies We Love rapid fire game. Great job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Before we head out, please tell our listeners how they can connect with you. What is your shameless plug? Especially if they want to volunteer too. Oh. Oh my gosh, yes. Love the volunteers. Everyone, please come volunteer. You can find me in Blank Space um, at www.blankspacebham.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, all Blank Space Beham, um, all lowercase, the same across every platform. Pretty straightforward. So, yeah, definitely come check out what we're doing. Um, you can sign up to be on the volunteer list through my website. You can send me a DM, send me an email, Megan at blankspacebm.com. I would love to work with you. Wow. Well, it has been absolutely amazing to connect with you, Megan. And I'm just in awe of how you are making space for women to create and storytell um, in the most creative way. So just keep up the great work. And it has been so much fun getting to connect. And I can't wait to some, sometime soon volunteer with you. Oh my gosh, SK, thank you for what you're doing. And um, I love the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.